You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Time to lock and load. Time to get control. Time to search for soul and start again. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as usual by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. We're going to continue on with our theme of just really trying to dive into this new coaching staff. We've done quite a few shows about Bruce Arians, the new head coach, and now it's time to move to the defensive side of the ball because the next most intriguing hire that the, the Buccaneers have made is, of course, defensive coordinator Todd Bowles, former head coach of the New York Jets. So to to dive in a little bit, we are joined by Alan Schechter, the expert over at Empire Rights Back, part of the fan-sided network, covering all things New York and New Jersey sports as we watch the Islanders beat the uh, the Lightning 3 to nothing here in the second period. But this is locked on bucks, not locked on bolts. So without any further ado, Alan Schechter. Buddy, how you doing? It's been a while. It has been. Good evening, boys. My little cherubs are getting bigger and bigger by the minute. How are you? <laughs> doing good, doing good. And of course, for those of you that don't know, uh, Alan worked with myself and David over at the Pewter Plank back when we were all over there where Alan and I shared the uh, the expert duties and we worked David far harder than we should have, but he yep. did good work. So we just kind of, you know, rode that horse until it died. No, nah, it, it was fun. It was good. It was good times. Alan, of course, the New York Jets, a team near and dear to your heart. Oh, yeah. That that is that is your squad and a team that you cover, you know, along with the the Giants, Yankees, Mets, Islanders, Rangers, Devils, Nets, Knicks. Am I missing one? Uh, maybe, but I'm too tired. Some other team in there they might have missed. I don't know. The Devils. Okay. I don't know if you said the Devils. Uh, I, I got the Devils in there. If it's New York or New Jersey sports, Alan covers it. But we, we wanted him. to bring him on here because he knows the Jets better than anyone that I personally know. So. Tell us, what, what are the Bucks getting in defensive coordinator Todd Bowles? All right. First thing I'll give you is don't look for any, any pithy quotes on Thursdays when the coordinators speak because he takes to the microphone and he thinks he's Bill Belichick and he says nothing. He'll repeat things. He's, he's a Bill Belichickian in that way. So you won't learn much about the defense from him. But to his credit, he's a pretty good play caller. When Casey Rogers, who I know he brought down along with him to be your guys' line coach, I believe, when Casey Rogers unfortunately took ill and Todd Bowles took over the play calling. The Jets' defense played reasonably well. So he's a good, play, good. He's a good play caller. What you'll get is a guy that likes to be aggressive. He likes press corners. So you'll probably see Grimes and company playing a lot of a lot of man. He likes to he likes to get aggressive and creative with his blitz packages. So he likes to he likes to get after the quarterback where he could. Thanks to Mike McCagnan, he couldn't really do that very often with. The Jets, because Brandon Copeland, I like him, but he's not going to be a superstar. And Henry Anderson, seven sacks, I like him too, but that was way over his career numbers. So it's not like the Jets spent a lifetime in the backfield of opponents in the AFC and, and otherwise. And Leonard Williams is a disappointment, but that's a that's another story. But Todd Bowles with players, with good players, and back with his friend, should be a good defensive coordinator. Because he gets, when he's the man in charge of just the defense, he gets a lot out of the guys. 
and you guys actually have talent down there. So, well, I mean, we're we're certainly hoping so. And and before I ask my next question, uh, some some breaking news as we are recording. And David, I don't know if you even seen this yet. Uh, Todd Bo- or uh, yeah, Todd Munkin has been named the offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. So he's going to go up to Cleveland from Tampa, work for uh, Freddie Kitchens up there who got the head coaching gig. So Todd Munkin wasn't out of the game long, and and Allen, that was somebody that was linked to the Jets, had an interview to be their head coach. But it looks like he's going to stay an offense coordinator for at least one more year with with Baker Mayfield and and Jarvis Landry up there in Cleveland, blessing them. He'll be a good influence on Mayfield, I think. I think so too. Todd Munkin's incredible. I, I really love him a lot. Uh, I understand why the Bucks had to move on from him, but I wish him nothing but success. Unlike Dirk Cutter, who I still like as a person, but I wish him, uh, you know, absolutely no professional success this season, given the fact that he went back to Atlanta. So obviously, you know, we want to see Atlanta fail if the Bucks are going to get him. Well. Yep. Um, Something that, that Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles have both said, and, and I have to agree with you on not getting any sound bites from him because watching his introductory press conference, the man made Lovey Smith look energetic. Um, <laughs> That's they, Todd. <laughs> yeah. They, they've both said, we don't have a system. Our system is our players. Jenna Lane asked Bruce Arians, are you guys going to run a 4-3 or a 3-4? And Bruce Arians basically said, yes. You know, they're they're not going to pigeonhole themselves, and, and they're going to focus their strategy on, on the strength of their players. So with that being said, Todd Bowles is obviously going to you know, work in that in that fashion the, the same way Bruce is talking about. So what – what can Bucks fans expect to see? I mean, they're, they've been a 4-3 defense for so long, shifting to a 3-4, even if they're, you know, that's only their base defense 50% of the time. It, it's going to take a lot of roster reconstruction. You're, you're looking at, you know, Quan Alexander, Levante David. You know, those are your, your typical 4-3 middle outside linebacker. Gerald McCoy doesn't really fit the 4-3, but Vita Vea is the the – solid three, four nose tackle. You know, what did you know the, the Buccaneers fairly well, given that you covered them for a while, what can you see out of this defense that makes you think the bulls might try to shift them to the three, four, or do you think he might stick with that four, three defense? Honestly, I think he might stick with the four, three, because I do think despite his failures here and his failures were many, he did look to adapt his system to the players. He had our guys fit a three, four, Guys like Quack, you said, like Quan, like Levante, are suited for the 4-3. I think ultimately they would end up leaning on the 4-3. You might see them flip for a formation or two. You know, they might put together some packages and stuff because you saw all kinds of packages in New York. But I don't think he'll, I don't think you guys will see the 3-4 forced down their throats, especially not right away if they're going to retool the roster. I think you'll see them work for what they're good with, which is the 4-3 as a base defense. But I think they'll, They'll maneuver around. They'll come up with creative packages to be confusing. But 4-3, I would say, they're judging based on the roster you guys have, is kind of going to be their home, their, where they're going to sit. Looking looking at Coach Bowles, right? So the Jets' defense, I've, I've said it all year, I've said it a few times in fantasy, that the Jets' defense really wasn't uh, all that terrible, right? Um, they weren't one of the best in the league by any means, but, I mean, 
as far as you know yards per play and and third down conversion percentages and all that stuff they're actually pretty good actually one of the best in third down conversion percentages obviously as a head coach you're responsible for more than just the defense right and, and that, that's a conversation we had here uh covering the buccaneers with a lot of bucks fans is um, there were there were some fans who were kind of confused why so many people thought Dirk Cutter was going to be fired when the offense was was clicking at such a high rate as far as yards and and in total offense. Where did he fall short as a head coach in your mind from from what you observed and from what your your peers in the media have said there in in New York? The biggest problem he fell short on, <laughs> excuse me, was discipline. They got penalized at the most unopportune times and some of the most stupid things you would ever see. And there was clearly no ramifications because it didn't stop. Early in the season, you had the play where Isaiah Crowell scored against the Browns on a long run. And then he turned around because he wanted to make a point to Cleveland where he had been, and he he mimicked wiping his rear end with the football while facing the fans. It was a penalty. It was stupid. And things like that continued all year right up until the end of the season when Leonard Williams took a swing at somebody and got thrown out of the game. Got pass interferences that, that continued drives. Not to, you, know, you guys know there's good penalties for holding to keep your quarterback from getting sacked, that kind of thing. A hold so, you, so, the, so the receiver doesn't go, doesn't go 100 yards for right. a bomb. These guys made stupid penalties and did stupid things all year long. You had guys showing up late to meetings. Leonard Williams, at first he had Wilkerson under, under his regime doing that. Wilkinson never did that stuff when Rex was here. You had other guys doing that. You had it was almost as if they talked a good game about liking Todd Bowles, but by the end, it's almost they get, it's almost as if they, some of them gave up on him as a football coach because they didn't. There was no caring whether he whether they were disciplined or not. Other than from Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams is a beast, and he'll play for anybody. And he said he was his best coach he ever played for. But discipline was his biggest failure. Because these guys were undisciplined week one all the way through week 17. Hmm. It got bad this year. I mean, they were flashed in previous years, and we saw it in the preseason, and the Jets never, they never worked on it. They, they did push-ups, but the push-ups clearly didn't matter. So it's clearly a, a quality, like you said. I mean, some penalties are, are, you know, are worse than others. Uh, context definitely matters. I'm glad I asked you that question, man, and I'm glad you, you gave that to us because you know, some, of our, some of our listeners and some of the readers over at BucksNation.com, uh, I mean, there, there's a... Uh, there's there's a Tampa Bay Times writer who's really really big on numbers. A lot of his his content circles around math, and that's kind of why I asked you the question. Because if you look at the the New York Jets from a statistical standpoint, right, 95 penalties on the defense all year for 817 yards is actually eighth fewest in the in, in the National Football League. But um, putting some context behind that about when the penalties happen, and then of course what kind of penalties they are, uh, definitely adds a, a new layer to that. So do you think that's something that because he, he kind of talked about the difference from being a head coach and being a defensive coordinator. So do you think that he will be able to be successful as a defense coordinator, or do you believe that he should he should probably just not be in coaching at all? I think he could be a successful defensive coordinator, and I think, given players, he could be. Because when he, when he and Bruce were together in, in Arizona, he was. And to a point when he was in Miami as an interim and he worked with their defense, he was. It's, I think... At this point in his career, being a full-time head coach may be out of his league. Beyond his, he's out of his depth a bit because he's got to worry. Like you said, he's got to worry about everything. Mm-hmm. But when you can concentrate on his one side of the football, he is a good defensive mind. And as much as anybody tunes in from New York won't believe that right now, he is. Yeah, he's had success with the defensive side of the ball, 
And for what it's worth, they didn't, for a lot of games this year, the defense didn't play badly. It was just that the offense stalled so badly under, under Jeremy Bates and with a young quarterback still learning what to do. They got tired and they broke by the end of the game. But the, right. as a defensive mind, he's a good one. And again, I don't know. We, I think fans believed that in 2015 when the, when the Jets won 10 games. And they wouldn't believe it now. They'd probably question my football intelligence now. But he's a talented defensive mind. He understands scheming. He schemes to his players. And when he, can, when he has the talent, his defenses have performed. So that's why I think with Bruce there and whomever's going to run the offense, even though Bruce will probably be calling the plays if I had to guess, he can concentrate on his defense, and, and, and they'll be a good defense. Yeah, it's it's kind of the, along the lines of what I was thinking because so Bruce Bruce has come come out and said that he won't be calling plays this year. Oh, he has. Um, okay. He's gonna yeah, that he's gonna he's gonna pass that down. But you know, just looking at the coaching staff that Bruce Arians is putting together with you know a lot of familiar faces from Arizona, but it really does look like Bruce is the kind of head coach who really is just is gonna let his coordinators and his coaches do their jobs and then kind of oversee the entire operation and. Uh, B maybe maybe something that was missing in, in the Jets organization under Coach Bowles, and, and that is the hammer that needs to drop when when the time comes. You know, if uh, it's a lot easier, I think, to to be authoritative as an as a coordinator when your players know that they have a head coach that that backs you up. And uh, Bruce Arians obviously is legendary for for his quotes and his quips on on how he comes at players, and that he's he's unafraid to embarrass them if need be to to show them you know uh, how important it is to get in line and be part of the system. So. Absolutely. I mean, they had guys doing stuff off the field. You had the Crowell thing. You have these penalties that extend in drives, and nothing ever changed. These guys are better than this. Tremaine Johnson was awful under this guy, and he played undisciplined this year. I know he was hurt a little bit, but I know in the four interceptions looked good, but that was all, like two of them were against Josh Allen, whoopee, um, mm-hmm. when he wasn't playing well. This is before he got into a groove at the end of the season. I mean, come on. This is not, this, no. This is not, this is, there's no discipline there. Hopefully Adam Gase can bring it, but that's for that's not for today's discussion. Todd Bowles, if he can concentrate on the defense, knows what he's doing. Yeah, well, and and luckily, you know, that's the role that he will be playing here. But one of the things that Buccaneers fans are already doing, and it's not just Bucks fans, every every fan base does this when there's regime changes or coaching changes or anything like that. You start to try to connect the dots. You know, some of the dots that we've already connected are the fact that you know, Tyron Matthew and John Brown, who both played under Arians in Arizona. You know, Bruce Arians was the reason that Tyron Matthew was drafted where he was. They're both free agents. You kind of connect those dots. Well, obviously the Bucks are probably going to go after Matthew and and uh, John Brown. So you start looking at, at the defensive side of the ball and Todd Bowles. So if there was really this much of an issue you know, with with a disconnect between Bulls and his players, and and them kind of quitting on him. One of the one of the guys that David and and I looked at earlier, and we were going through the list of free agents, and we saw Morris Claiborne's name pop up, and it's like, well, the Bucks are losing Grimes. They still have those two young guys a corner and Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart. They're probably going to look for a veteran. You know, Morris Claiborne may make sense in this situation because he has played for Bowles. He will understand how he operates. Is that someone whose name we could potentially cross off the list just because maybe the wounds are still a little too fresh and, and, and Claiborne may be ready to to move on and play for a different coach? I don't know about that. I just don't know if he's going to be, if Claiborne as himself would be the best one because he wasn't a great number two corner, and he gets hurt a lot. 
Right. So I don't know if he's a, a guy you want them to focus on. I'm looking at the Jets' free agent list now. I don't think the Jets. I don't think the Jets will be bringing Buster Screen back, and he's a he's someone I may have trusted a little bit more if he's playing in the slot. So that could be a name. Brandon Copeland. You got if you're looking for a, a rotational guy, is someone that might get over there because Bulls had a lot of trust in him, and he performed well this year. I mentioned him before. Avery Williamson, who took over for Demario Davis, would be the biggest name because he had a big year for the Jets. He had over 100 tackles, taking over for Demario Davis. I don't know if the Jets will be letting him go though. But Claiborne, I could see it. I just don't know if you guys will be thrilled when you with the product you get. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't assume that he would be the the number one corner if he came to town. I think, of course, they may lean on on second year man Carlton Davis to to do that, but. You know, like I said, you start to try to connect the dots and see sure. which which guys are, are going to come from where. And really, I mean, I think that's all I have regarding regarding Todd Bowles. David, do you have you have any other questions? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this made me feel more confident or less confident at this point <laughs> in time. Um, I like to think we we keep our eyes, you know, on the on the on the horizon with the other NFL teams, you know, here and there. But obviously, our our focus is is. Uh, purely on, on Tampa for the for the most part. Four quarterbacks drafted in 2018 in the top 10. Three of them have had their head coaches fired either during or after the season with, you know, Cleveland, Arizona, and of course the Jets. I mean, it used to be, you know, a rookie quarterback uh, meant that you had a few years as, as a head coach to really put everything together. Are you surprised at the, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if it's, it's, you know, it's obviously too soon to call it a trend. It's one year, but are you surprised at, at the way the league has gone this year with, being so quick to pull the trigger on on head coaches with rookie quarterbacks? I was a little bit surprised in the Cleveland situation. People getting fired at the end of the season, I wasn't, especially since my focus on the Jets, and we all hoped that what Bowles would be fired during the season. After they, blown, after they got blown out by Matt Barkley, we all thought it was going to be over that night. So we were ready for him to lose his rookie coach before the season ended. I think it's a little quick, but, you know, the league is it's such a win-now league. I don't know that I'm totally shocked by it. The only thing that shocked me more was seeing a firing in season because you never saw that. That's so rare. I can't remember the last one offhand prior to uh, Jackson. But seeing guys fired after one year, yeah, it's new, but I don't think it totally shocks me because it's a, it's a, there's no more building. It's a, with free agency, it's a win now or get out kind of thing. Definitely. I know that a lot of people in Arizona were surprised at the firing Coach Wilkes. I was surprised. Uh, the coach Wilkes was fired, uh, you know, so so quickly, uh, especially after being given a rookie quarterback to work with. However, I guess there's some behind the scenes stuff there. You know, maybe he wasn't so flexible. I don't, you know, I can make some assumptions or whatever, but uh, it just it just seems like Wilkes wanted to do moving forward, and what the management wanted to do moving forward just weren't the um, weren't the same things. So they decided to move move apart. I think I think Coach Jackson, as as weird as it might sound. I think his firing was less about relationships. I think that uh, he had come uh, cancerous locker room, and it was either time for the for the Browns to pick a side or get rid of them both. And I think they made the right move. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, and um, winning games it was the time to win games. <laughs> yeah, I was. I mean, I was really surprised with the Jets to be playing so very well. You know, um, obviously uh, that's you know that's uh, putting it putting it lightly, right? Thought that. The way that they had drafted, we talked during the draft. I, I explained or I expressed my prize to you in 2017 and a little bit in 2018 in the way they were drafting and kind of felt like they were 
move slow build versus a, a you know a sprint to the finish line. Um, so to see see Coach Bowles kind of uh, dismissed again with a rookie quarterback and not really having much of a running game, and you know that could definitely use the the addition of some receivers. But looking at the at the Jets roster, um, if there's that you could pinpoint and say, if this guy went with Coach Bowles, Tampa Bay would love Coach Bowles because he would just do wonders and do miracles with with the defense in Tampa. Which guy from the Jets defense would that be? You guys would. It would never happen. This is a far hypothetical of a guy under contract. But if he was, if there was some way Adams made, made it, Jamal Adams made his way down to you guys, you guys would be insane about the guy. The guy yeah. has the greatest motor of anybody I can remember in years, and he plays all over the field. He's up, he's up, puts in the quarterback. He's up, stuffing his head in against the run. He's improved. He improved vastly in his pass coverage this year. There's a reason why he was second all team all pro in his second year and made his pro made the Pro Bowl. The guy and a guy hates to lose. Mm-hmm. He'll single-handedly lift the team up by the fact that he just can't stand losing. Yeah, that's great. He's no, a, I, I, he's a sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. He's a guy that very quickly not only can not only is a talented guy, but shows how big a leader he is. Mm-hmm. And working with Bowles for any of the listeners that know, I'm sure you guys do know, Bowles was a safety, right? So his influence on Bowles, so his influence on Adams was great. That's why you can only assume that's why Adams called him his best coach he ever had. Their relationship was outstanding. He was he was very he was very emotional when he left, effusing about how great how great Bowles a coach was for him. He called him his best. As I said before, he called him the best coach he ever played for at any level. Yeah. If you guys had Jamal Adams on that defense, it would light a fire. Quan would love him. I, I, I still read Quan on the social media. Mm-hmm. Quan would love playing with Jamal Adams. Yeah, that'd be a fun pairing to watch. No, I asked you the question because, I mean, like you said, the, the chances of, you know, Jamal Adams ever being traded from New York to Tampa, uh, especially, you know, this offseason are, are slim to none, probably even smaller. Uh, you know, as you know, Alan, from from our days with Peter Plank, I'm I'm very, very interested in the draft process and, and prospects. And I mean, that's basically going to give me an idea of who I need to look for if I'm looking at the draft class as far as mentality and play style is. And, and it fits because safety help. Um, I mean, as much as most people – kind of like Justin Evans. I think he's definitely got a little bit of a fan favorite tag going on. He's not, he's nowhere near a complete, uh, completed project. And uh, he hasn't, you know, I don't know, James, you might disagree with me, but I don't, I don't believe Justin Evans has necessarily solidified himself as a, you know, guaranteed starter year in, year out for the rest of his career just yet. Uh, I think he might be on his way, but I don't think he's quite there yet. So something to look out for as we, as we get towards draft season is, uh, let's go find a Jamal Adams, James. It's, that should be pretty simple, right? I'm, I'm down. <laughs> Maybe. What What do you think, Alan? Maybe uh, we send you a 31 year old Gerald McCoy, a 30. What, how old is DJX? 30, 31 year old Deshaun Jackson for like 22, 27 million total in in cap uh, cap sacrifice, and you send us Jamal Adams. Cap hit. We'll give you Jamal Adams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Go right? ahead and fill out the paperwork. <laughs> We'll throw in Ryan Fitzpatrick too. Oh man! So, oh man! Everyone would love that. The Fitzmagic is back. Trade. There you go. It's magic. Uh, the fake right. news six magic is back. Well, uh, Fitzmagic is a free agent, so we'll see where he ends up. Yeah, he'll be on his I, on his sixty eighth team, and however long he's been in the league, I think he'll end up retiring. Honestly, um, sounded like he was ready to retire, and and. The Bucks kind of knew what was going to happen with Winston, and so they talked him into coming back for 
for the 2018 season, but I, I think he's ready to hang it up. Should be. <laughs> which will that will disappoint my my wife greatly because she thinks that he's gorgeous. She likes the beard, huh? Uh, I I think it's a combination of just the look and then the the Harvard education. Yep, the the did, Harvard. I they had, a, they had a name from the Harvard something. I forget what it was. But did yeah, you the know Harvard that guy Ryan could figure out how to slide. <laughs> so, did you know that Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard? I, I I'm not sure that that's common knowledge among people that follow the NFL yet. Did I? Yes. Well, I, that's one of those things. In fact, your your buddy Scott and I were jo- were uh, joking about it on on his show that uh, you know there are some things that that every play by play or color commentator has to say every game. Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. Is that thing for for him? Just like. Yes. Um, Every commentator had to say about uh, uh, James Conner from the Steelers. He doesn't want to be known as a cancer survivor. He wants to be oh, known as geez. a football player. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep. then stop referring to him as the cancer right. survivor. Cancer survivor. It, you just brought it up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. In every single game, they said, he told us he no longer wants, like, the kid <laughs> is telling you to stop talking about it. Right. Exactly. And you just talked about it, saying, telling us he didn't want to talk about it. So that doesn't make any sense. Was a very good call the game. Then. You uh-huh. just made me very mad. <laughs> eh, well, you know, it, it, it's it's easily done. It's almost as bad uh, as Matt Millen's. Whoever scores the most points is probably going to win the game. Well, I mean. Or every time Chris Collinsworth opens his mouth ever. <laughs> All right. Well, Alan, before we let you go, I got to ask you two, two quick questions. The first one sure. is, who was the best coaching hire? Best fit for the team would you say in your opinion of the ones so far and that's that's assuming of course that uh zach taylor will be named the head coach of the cincinnati Bengals, and uh um flores your coach flores going to miami that's a tough one i like i think the clicks the kingsbury could end up being the best one because he's so innovative on offense but it's risky I think that's one to keep an eye on as if we were to talk in a couple of years saying that was the best move. But I think on his face right now, I think I like I think I like LaFleur. I like LaFleur's fit with, with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know why. Interesting. I can't put my finger on it. But when I saw that announcement, I was like, that's a good idea. I think I like that. But what was the other one? I, I can't even think of it. Oh, uh, Taylor. And Taylor was the other one, I think. If anyone's going to – if Taylor can do work with Dalton like he's done with Goff, that too could, that too could do wonders. It's it's funny that those are the two that you named because I think those are the two that are going to be the biggest failures. Do you? Okay, I do. So we'll we'll have to revisit this in three to five years and and yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I, I hate it's all the, speculation. Uh, the Kingsbury hire. Yeah, I, the Kingsbury hire confused me, but you know we'll we'll see. He flew up the he flew up everybody's radar really quickly. Yeah, yeah. especially having a losing record at Tech. Yeah, I mean, everybody, the Jets fans are all hot to trot about him. Yeah, that's the, uh, if you know Sean McVay, you get a head coaching interview <laughs> thing that we have going now. So, yeah. and then the final question that I have for you, Alan, who's playing and winning in the Super Bowl? I have a feeling we're going to be looking at Saints out of the NFC, <laughs> and we're going to be looking at, they're on the road, so I can actually justify saying this because everybody knows why I would say this, the Chiefs. And not the team they're going to be playing. The team I don't like to say the name of. <laughs> um, and I think it'll be a it'll be a big time shootout to watch between Breeze and Mahomes. But I think this is 
I don't think Mahomes makes that step yet. I think Breeze gets his second trophy. Well, Alan, I know it's not going to make you guys happy. But. That's exactly how I see it playing out, too. So this this was a, a fitting way for your final appearance on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and congratulations to you and all all Jets fans, Alan, on the uh, engagement of Tim Tebow. <laughs> now I don't want to come back. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot he got engaged. I should have sent you the link. <laughs> well, believe me, SNY. Had it. I came right across my Facebook page as soon as basically when it happened. <laughs> oh goodness! If the Saints win the Super Bowl, I might quit football altogether. <laughs> you better All get right. ready. They're looking good. <laughs> oh god, no! Go Rams! <laughs> well, I'd love to uh, see it too. I like watching the Rams play. I just, I just don't. In that building, I don't think they're going to pull it off. Nah, it's going to be tough. But I'll yeah. tell you what: if they have the uh, the Gurley Anderson duo running the way that they did over the weekend. Oh my God. That's going to be a tough Anderson looked like he grew a ton since he played for the Broncos. Or was it? He looks like he was just swallowing quarter pounders whole. I'm not crazy then. Yes. I I put it up on, on Twitter during the game, a picture of Jerome Bettis in the Rams uniform. And I was like, Hey, it's CJ Anderson. It's true. The guy looked twice his size. I was, yeah, he I was. Like, what the hell is that? I mean, that's CJ Anderson. What? But it worked. Hopefully, sure it'll did. work against the Saints. Yeah, so. for you guys, I hope so. All right. Well, Alan, where can all the fine folks find everything that you are doing? You can find me on Twitter at, at Alan underscore Schechter, and Schechter is spelled S C H E C H T E R. You can find our work at Empire at Empire Rights Back, but there's no A in back for some reason. Um, we have our Facebook page, Empire Rights Back. You can hear the podcast I work on for the Jets at Play Like a Jet on the Turn on the Jets digital network. Scott, you're familiar with them lately, and I help get I help produce those shows, so you can see my influence, my fandom there. And please, if you're in, the, if you like the Jets, have any interest in the Jets, if you want to make fun of the Jets. Want to make fun of New York sports? Come check us out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And, of course, you can find everything that David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Alan, once again, thank you so much for joining us, brother. Any time you guys want, I'm here. I love you guys. You know that. All right. And thanks to each and every one of you for joining us right here. At Locked On Bucks. <laughs>